follow. <laughs> that was great. That was great. And I love how that is a picture of what emancipating greatness is actually about. That we get to see them flow in their gifts, flow in their calling, this passion. And through them, their very lives even just now preach to us about the passion and the strength and the joy of the Lord. And we get to join in with that. So let's just pray as we head into the message here, okay? Would you just open your hands with me before the Lord? Holy Spirit, we are grateful for how unique you made us all. Father, what a creative God you are. That none of us are the same, but yet we all reflect and bear your image. That blows my mind, Lord. Father, I pray right now, Father, even as we've lifted our voice in worship to you, that we felt the weight of your presence in our midst and we've enjoyed your strength on display, Father. God, would you open our hearts to your word? I pray that every person in here, Father, would hear from you individually, even as we hear corporately. God, we bring our hearts to you. We're desperate to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Randy said in the first service that... Um, the team had asked him to participate, and he didn't have time. He just had to turn him down. <laughs> they laughed in the first service, too. I don't know why it's so unbelievable. <laughs> Welcome to week three of this series on emancipating greatness. And so before we jump into this message, which is about preparing for greatness, let's kind of recap and catch up to where we are. Last August, the Lord spoke to Pastor Johnson, and he gave him two words that would set kind of the form and the function of the direction in which we're heading as a church. And those two words our emancipating greatness. God wants to free, to liberate, to let loose, to put on full display the greatness that he's placed within us. He wants what's in us to be able to come out of us. Well, what is in us? He put himself in us. So we're going to look again at Genesis 1, verse 27. God created human beings in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God created you and me in his image. That means that we bear his nature, we bear some of who he is has been planted within us. Through our unique gifts, our callings, our desires, our personalities, the things that we're called to do, the adventure he set before us, it's a little bit different for all of us and the word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, every single one of us. You're not a mistake. What you like, what you love, how you're wired, that bent that you have for art, that bent that you have for competition, the way that you love the quiet, the way that you love the water, God put that there. It's not a mistake. And there's a purpose to it. There's a reason it's there. Well, God created us all in his image collectively for a purpose that we see in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. 
fill the earth with the glory of God. It was always God's plan to fill the earth with his glory through people. Have you ever really thought about that? This limitless God who knows no beginning and no end, who's all wise, we can't even fully wrap our minds around him, and yet he would choose to express himself on earth through you and through me, through earthen vessels that are broken and fragile and imperfect. And yet he said there's glory in that. My glory will be seen in these imperfect human vessels. What a privilege. And we know that in the Garden of Eden, the enemy came and sin polluted that image of God that we carry. And then Jesus comes to restore it, to fully bring back all that God had intended from the very beginning, that his image would be seen in us and through us. The enemy comes, the word says that the enemy comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full, not just ordinary life, super abundant, abounding life. That's what he came that we could have. Not the kind of life that just kind of pastes on a smile after something, but something where there's a deep joy from deep within that no matter what's going on around us, we go, I'm abundant on the inside. That's the life that he came to bring us. God put his uniqueness in us, and emancipating greatness is about getting his greatness that is in us out of us. But this isn't about a self-help seminar, because we could all kind of independently decide what greatness means, right? The best version of me. <laughs> what greatness is, and this is what we defined last week, we redefined it. Greatness is living confidently in who God made me to be, using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory all around me. That's what it means to be great, to be a fuller reflection of the person and the image of God. So that means that every day, every day by day, week by week, the purpose of God for us is that his image would grow and flourish and be reproduced in us in order that we would fill the earth with the glory of God as seen in you and me. Well, how does this glory of God grow within me so much that it spills out of me, reproducing his image everywhere I go? Because that's a little bit like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I've kind of been trying to do that my whole Christian life, I think. I mean, isn't that what it's been about? I've been working at it, and how is that supposed to work? <laughs> so we learn in Genesis 1 and, of course, we know just from, like, day-to-day -day life that a seed reproduces after its own kind, right? If you plant apples, you get apples. If you plant avocados, you get amazing, delicious avocados. You plant turnips, you get turnips. But the question remains, why would you plant a turnip? Because then you get a turnip, and it's implied that you would eat said turnip. I don't recommend that. <laughs> but you don't plant one thing and get something totally different. So whatever is in us and that's coming out of us, it's going to be a reflection of what has been allowed to grow and flourish within. So then the question is, is what's coming out of me healthy? Is what's coming out of me a true, a truer, a pure reflection of the person of Jesus? What is coming out of me? Is it healthy? Well, here's the good news. When we're talking about emancipating greatness and this preparing for greatness where what God's put in us is coming out of us, this is not God just suddenly saying, hey, let me give you some life, life hacking tips. He's not really into that. It's not about better visioneering. 
It's not about New Year's resolutions on steroids. How many of you, by the way, are like already off your wagon, whatever it was? I didn't even make any. <laughs> I, like, I'm just, I just frustrate myself. It's not about willpower. It's not about trying hard and doing better and then we fall short and then we feel bad and then we come crawling back to God and we try hard and we do better and then we fall short. That's not the cycle that God has created. That's a cycle of willpower Christianity, but that's not how it's made to work. And emancipating greatness cannot be about willpower. Emancipating greatness is about partnering with and yielding to the person of Jesus himself, his life in me. We're going to look in just a minute at Matthew 13, at one of the parables that Jesus shared with his followers, and that's the parable of the sower, parable of the seed. Jesus often taught with parables, which was simply just a, a story that they could relate to because of things in their everyday life that would then point to or lead to a deeper spiritual truth. So he would take things that they were used to that made sense to them and to be able to paint a picture of something deeper. And here's the beautiful thing about the parables of Jesus, whether they were hearing them or we're reading them, there's always more layers. <laughs> you can read them a hundred times and find a hundred different things because that's how amazing our wise God is. We will never fully uncover it. We will never fully discover it. There's always more, more glory, more beauty, more wisdom, more strength. But here in the parable of the sower, we can learn some powerful lessons about how this is all supposed to work. This getting what's in me, the image of God in me, out of me. The seed here, Jesus says, before we read it, Jesus tells his disciples that the kingdom of God is like a seed. The message of the kingdom of God is the seed in this story. And here's what's important for us to know. The kingdom of God, that seed, it does start with salvation. The message of the gospel that we are saved by grace through faith because there was nothing we could do to make ourselves right with God. But it doesn't stop there. That's not all it is. The kingdom of God is not just becoming a believer and being part of God's family and being made right with God. That's just the first part. That's just the first part. There's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> All of those of us that are from a different country, how many of you are from a different country? Like me. So we know that when we talk about a country or a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, we're not just talking about a space that it occupies. That's part of it. But it... If I were to tell you about Canada, I wouldn't just tell you about what it looks like in terms of space. I would tell you how it's run, what we value, how we relate to each other, how the authority structure is set up, what the culture is like. And you would tell me more about your kingdom that you come from. It's not just a physical space. Likewise, the kingdom of God is not just heaven, getting saved. It's not just a, a space that we get to go into. But it's how is it run? How does it work? What is the nature of God? What is the principles that he employs in how he runs everything? What is it like to live there? What is the culture of the kingdom of God? Where the last is first and the first is last and the greatest among you serves and everyone loves one another and we turn other cheeks and we submit to the Lord? That's all part of it. That's all the kingdom of God. And you know what else is part of this message of the kingdom of God? The Imago Dei that has been printed on your heart is part of the message of the kingdom of God. How he made you, what he says about you, what he has for you. 
is part of this truth of his kingdom. The unique design that he's imprinted into you and embossed into what makes you a person. It's part of his kingdom. The seed then in this parable is all the ways and the truth and the life of God that he has for us. All of it. The authority that we can walk in as sons and daughters of God. The way that we are his ambassadors here on earth. Where people look at us and they say, you're not from here, are you? You're walking in something a little different. Your culture is different. That's all part of the kingdom of God. So it's important for us to know when we, when we listen to the parable, it's not just about salvation. Salvation is the doorway into this heavenly kingdom, this supernatural kingdom. There's only one way in, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross to pay a penalty for us that we could never pay for ourselves by faith in the grace of God. That's the kingdom we've come into, and that's the kingdom we live in now. Jesus said, I'm the gate. He said, I'm the door. He said, I'm the way. There's only one way into the fullness of this kingdom. But once we're through the door, once we have received him and accepted him and said, I can't do this on my own, I rely fully on you, we have access to all of the rest of it. And that's what we're talking about. What does that mean? As we said earlier, when he was sharing this with his disciples, he didn't have to teach them a whole lot about farming for them to catch some of the things here. Personally, I now farm at Kroger. That's my farm. Walk in, what do we got growing today? And I'm like, why do strawberries look like this? Because I don't really like the seasons of things either. I want it when I want it, right? I actually, it's, that's, that's even not even quite true. Often I'm just getting Amazon fresh to bring it to my door. That's how I farm, right? Internet, yes please, yes please, yes please, drop it off. <laughs> There's this instantaneousness to it, or I want there to be, that, that wasn't the way it was then. There's a, there was a process to growth and of all this stuff that we kind of miss out on a lot these days because there's not a lot of processes that we have to wait for. I mean, my favorite thing, Amazon Prime, right? <laughs> and then I'm frustrated when it actually comes in more than two days anymore. What in the world? Is, what has happened to me? Also, the Amazon person knows me really well. But here's one of the things about the, about the seed, about seed that the, that the disciples would have known. All the power to grow, to flourish, and to reproduce was in the seed. It's in the seed, not in the soil. All the power behind our lives and our callings and our desires and this flourishing, all of that power is resident and inherent in the word of God and the truth of God itself. We're not the power source. The word, the Lord, is the power. So when he says in 1 Peter, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness, he's not saying like, here, I just dumped it off. He's going, it's me, it's me. So just as we come into the kingdom through the life of Jesus, we live in the kingdom from the life of Jesus and his power within us. And that's good news because we don't have the power that we need to emancipate greatness or to bear his image on the earth. It is him and him alone. We enter the kingdom by grace and we live by grace. By the power and the life of Jesus within us, we are saved. And by the power and the life of Jesus within us, we grow, we flourish, and we reproduce.
Isn't that good news? We don't come in the door one way, and then all of a sudden, now it's on you. I got you here. Now make something of it. It's not how it works. It's about connection. If the seed of the kingdom of God is what is planted deep inside and is allowed to grow to full maturity in me, then that seed will reproduce after its own kind through me. The expression of God in me, when allowed to become fuller, will be what is reproduced through me. Because that seed of the kingdom will reproduce after its own kind through my life. That's really exciting. But it's also not automatic. Because we do have a role. The power is not ours to make it happen, but the power is ours to make it stop. Let's look together at Matthew 13, and we're going to read what Jesus shared. And when this first part that we're reading, there's a mixed audience. There's the religious leaders that are rejecting him, rejecting his message, and there's disciples. There's seekers. There's people that are just interested. It's everybody. Everybody's listening to him right here. So let's look at verse 1. Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat by the lake shore to teach the people. Soon there were so many people surrounding him that he had to teach sitting in a boat while the large crowd stood on the shore. He taught them many things by using stories, parables that would illustrate spiritual truths, saying, consider this. There was a farmer who went out to sow seeds, and as he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell onto gravel that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds so that when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as he planted. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. Then they did something called broadcast sowing. There was no combines and plows and all that. It was a bag hooked over the shoulder, and they would grab a handful and just scatter it. Just walk and scatter. Everywhere. So it fell in a variety of places, and the disciples would have known this. Like, this is normal. It's just available. The seed was all good. It's all the same kind of seed. But yet some of it didn't get a harvest at all. Some of them, kind of a harvest. And then some, it was plentiful. See, God's seed in us, this kingdom of God in us, is always good. This life, the passion, the desires, the wirings, the unique gifts, the way that he wants to express himself through us, it's good. It's made to be good. It's really good. It's made to flourish. His image in us is made to be beautiful. It's made to bear his image and bring him glory. It is made to reproduce even 30, 60, and 100 times what was planted. Now, to the people listening, the average or a great, like a bumper crop would have been a tenfold return. So when we get into 30, 60, and 100, they're like, what? How? This is supernatural increase. This is how does that work? So he's saying this is more than you can imagine. And that's possible. It was all good seed that was sown in all these different places. So what was the difference? The soil. It is the condition of the soil of my heart that determines whether God's greatness in me is emancipated and allowed to come to full fruition or whether the yield of my life is empty or flailing or just lacking completely. 
Our part then is to pay attention to the soil that is my heart. I have a confession. I am a really bad gardener. <laughs> Anybody else? I don't want to hear from you, Courtney Stanley. <laughs> She's a great gardener. Who else would just say, like, you know what, I can't grow things? Yeah, thank you. You make me feel better. I, I kill everything that's green. Like, it's not even a joke. I cannot keep things alive. I go to Home Depot, go and I love flowers, and I love the landscaping, and I just kill it. I got a black thumb. I have a friend that would like walk me through and coach me how to do all the things, and I would do it, and then I would just send her pictures of this plant like gradually, just, you know, he's done. He's done. So I just buy things at the beginning of the season, do my best, and hope it makes it through the whole year, and then I pull all the dead stuff out because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to work with soil. Real gardeners, though, oh, I've got to tell you this because it's just kind of telling on myself. Um, you, you might think this is weird, and it is, but that's okay because I just kind of am sometimes. I have this way... <laughs> I like, I have a super vivid imagination. So like I imagine things talking, like if they could talk, what would they say? Anybody else do that? Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, in animals, animals are really hilarious. If you listen hard, they're funny. So I am imagining when I'm going to the nursery and I'm picking out the flowers, I'm imagining these flowers. I'll be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't pick me. And then as they're like on the way out, they're going, oh, Petunia, she had so much potential. Oh, this is terrible. You know, where they're saying goodbye to each other. I really do think that, and it's ridiculous, but it also just makes me laugh. So, because it's not going to be good, and I know it. But a real gardener knows how to pay attention to the soil. They know that they're not just going to take home what they got from Home Depot and stick it in the Georgia clay <laughs> like I do. And then I wonder why it doesn't grow. They pay attention to the soil. They work it and they plow it and they soften it and they fertilize it and they do stuff that I don't know how to do that makes the seed and these plants thrive. And when you look across a garden like that, we're not actually paying attention to the soil anymore. <laughs> we're looking at what came out of it. We don't walk up to the garden and go, that right there is some good dirt. <laughs> no, we go, wow. See, this whole thing about emancipating greatness isn't actually about drawing more attention to me. It's that when I allow the soil of my heart to be cultivated, then he blooms and people go, what was that? That's beautiful. But it's all about paying attention to the soil. We have to look at the soil of our heart. And Jesus explains this parable to his disciples, and we're going to go there in just a second, but before we do, and he describes four kinds of soil in this parable. But it's really important that we understand God's heart for our heart. The soil is our heart, and Jesus walks us through some different types of it. But here's something important. God knows the condition of our heart already. And he's not shocked, because he knows. And here's the thing, he's not disappointed. We only are disappointed when we find something we didn't expect. So if he knows our heart, and he's therefore not surprised, he's also not disappointed, because he already knew what was there. God is not disappointed in you. No matter what is there, he's not disappointed in you. He's not going, how, what, how, how did that get there? He knew the condition of our heart. He knew that our hearts were polluted and hardened by sin. 
And that's exactly why he sent Jesus. Because he knew we couldn't soften our heart, fix our heart, redeem our heart on our own. And we still can't. It's still his life and his work in us today. So as we look at the conditions of the soil, Jesus isn't going, well, 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 what have we here? No, he's going, yeah, I know. That hard place right there, let's work on that because it's hurting you. It's limiting you. I have more for you. There's joy for you there. So let's work that out. Let's work that out. It's a partnership. And it's a lifelong partnership. It's not over in a day and he doesn't turn around and go, what, you're still doing that? Have you ever worked earth? There's stuff and there's layers. And he's not going, oh, there's something I didn't expect. He'll never do it. He'll just keep working and keep plowing. But it's meant to be a partnership of leaning into his presence and his life so that he can show us what we might not have seen on our own. We were helpless to do anything about it before and we're helpless to do the work now except for the spirit of God. So that is Jesus' heart for us today. It's not one of condemnation, but it's one of cultivation. So it's through that lens that we read and let's now look at Matthew 13, 18 and 19. This is the first kind of heart. Now you are ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the sower and his seeds. The seed that fell on the beaten path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. He doesn't understand it. This is a heart or a part of the heart where the truth just doesn't get through. Maybe it's disinterest. Maybe it's just a refusal. I don't want to hear that. It could be pride. God's a crutch for the weak. If there is a God, I'm good without him. Hasn't helped me so far. Could be those things. But it's unpenetrable. It's unteachable. It's unyielding. It's unresponsive. So it could be pride and it could be arrogance. And we have those places in our heart. But it's also important to notice that what it's describing is a path. And a path is walked on and beaten down and under pressure over and over. So sometimes a hard heart is a hurt heart. Where we've been hurt and we're kind of put up the wall to self-protect and go, I don't know, because I've, I've been hurt there before. Nope, I don't want to go there. But under that hurt, whenever it talks about that self-protection, whether it's pride or whether it's the self-protection of hurt, it actually doesn't guard us from anything because the true treasure can't get in and we're completely exposed and vulnerable to the enemy. The lie and the deception of self-protection and pride is that I can keep myself when in fact it lays us bare to be prey of the enemy. So for our heart to be healthy, we have to submit this to the Holy Spirit and allow him to address areas of self-sufficiency and pride, but also of hurt and wounds, inner vows, bitterness, self-protection. Whatever has caused our heart to be unteachable or unreceptive to the truth. Maybe even as Alvi said this morning, maybe the truth almost seems too much to be true. I can't accept that. Well, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to soften that part. Now we're going to look at Matthew 13, 20. 
The seed sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. And then he quickly falls away for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. If you can see in this one, there's a whole bunch of rocks and there's a little bit of dirt in there. Enough that it can take root. And often it can take root pretty quickly and shoot up. What it describes is like quickly. This is the parts of a heart that is going, yeah, amen. I believe that. It's enthusiastic. But it's not enduring. <laughs> because it describes when the sun starts to shine on it. Basically when trouble comes. When testing comes. When difficulty comes, when persecution comes, somebody calls you out because you won't hang with the old group anymore. Well, okay, well, now what do I do? Maybe it's where, you know, marriage is good. Yeah. And then we also discover that marriage is a crucible that scopes out selfishness and purifies it. And we go, ouch. Well, you know what? I don't really know if I'm into this marriage thing after all. I don't really know about that. Anybody else besides me have Tybo videos? Yeah? Beachbody? Any, all of the above? We watch the infomercials and you're like, yeah, this is the answer. This is awesome. We buy the stuff, we get the stuff and all that, and then you try it. And that yoga is hard. <laughs> and you go, ouch. Well, I thought you were just like, I just was going to get it and it was going to work. But it didn't work. Because whenever it started to hurt, I'm like, mm -mm. no, 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 no. I, for real, this is, y'all, y'all are going to think I'm so weird by the end of this. I really have sat on my sofa eating cereal watching workout videos before. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the results are here. <laughs> I don't recommend it. But whenever we think, yeah, I'm going to have this thing and it's just going to work. But we maybe then push back on what it takes to work. That's kind of this soil. It's not allowed to take that deep root. So we say yes to the blessing part, but then the take up your cross and follow me part, and we're going, what's this cross thing? I didn't sign up for that, right? We've all been there, so there's no condemnation. We all struggle. There's all stuff you're like, wait, 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 I didn't know this was what we meant. So a healthy heart submits to the discipline of the Holy Spirit. Discipline is not punishment. It's training. It's the very thing that allows these rocks to be moved out of the way so the roots can go deep. It's endurance. It's sticking with it when I don't understand. It's trusting you when it's not clear. It's hanging in there when I'm getting some pushback from around me. It's continuing to be honest when it feels like it's not working for me and everybody else is getting ahead. It's sticking to it with the Holy Spirit. A healthy heart means we allow the Holy Spirit to plow and develop deeper endurance and discipline and training that clears away the rocks and allows the word to go deep and to f come to fruition in us. It's a heart that's committed even when it costs. Matthew 13, 22, the seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. This is a lot of us. There's, there's soil under there. We're receptive. We're open. We believe it. We receive it. It might even take root. But there's so much happening 
that's robbing it of its resources that it never gets to the point of really bearing fruit. Talks about cares of this life, distraction, and pursuit of wealth. To have a divided heart where I'm choosing to divide the resources of my heart energy, the focus of my heart is divided between two things, the kingdom of God and. But the word says, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added. Sometimes, here's the thing, these, these weeds right here don't look very cute. But have you ever noticed that some weeds are actually kind of pretty? They have flowers or they're kind of vibrant. They're deceiving because it's pretty, but it's still a weed. And weeds take over. Weeds crowd and weeds compete and weeds choke. So to have a healthy heart, that means we have to allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and talk to us about even the things in our life that we might think are pretty. And to go, Lord, what do you say? So that the Holy Spirit can cut them away and make room for the kingdom of God, his impression within us, his image within us to grow to full fruition without competition. Because the weeds are sucking the resources that it takes for that to grow. This is a lot of us. A lot of us. Purify our heart isn't always a matter of repentance. Purify my heart is clearing away the things that are taking away from you. For my heart to be healthy, I have to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate and clear out everything, competing for the resources for that seed of the kingdom of God. And now here's the seed that, I mean, the ground that we want. Matthew 13, 23, as for the seed that fell upon good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of kingdom's heaven realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as was sown. Now this soil is fertile and it's open and receptive and it's well watered and it's been purified and it's been cleaned. This soil is where that seed of the kingdom of God can thrive. But it didn't get this way by itself. This soil's been cultivated. Somebody worked on it. Somebody pulled stuff out of it. Somebody plowed it. Somebody fertilized it. Somebody added nutrients to it and fed it. It's been cultivated. It has allowed itself to be plowed, tendered, tended, and weeded, nurtured. Healthy soil is the soil of a heart that is cultivated by the Holy Spirit, breaking open the hard places, plowing out the rocky places, and weeding out the thorny places, allowing some fertilizer, and you know what that is, <laughs> to deepen it, enrich in it, to give it the nutrients it needs. The healthier the soil of my heart, the deeper the roots, and the greater his glory is in me, then the greater the glory through me, the healthier the fruit that my life reproduces will be. And God promises us in Ezekiel eleven nineteen. he says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. The Amplified says, a heart that is responsive to my touch. 
That's what I want. A heart that is responsive to the touch of the Holy Spirit. I have these places, and I want him to work it into these places. Don't you? God will do the work through the person and the provision of the life of Jesus in you and in me for health, for wholeness, in order that the truth of the kingdom of God that he's planted within you can grow and flourish and be reproduced out of you, that what's in you can come out of you and his glory will fill the earth. But he will not violate your will. He's given us the will to say yes or no to the Holy Spirit. The soil of my heart, the soil of your heart, it's yours. No one can cultivate it but you. With No one can give him permission. Nobody can partner with him to do the work but you. That's our territory. We are the ones that say yes. So our part then is to decide, I want you to come in. I want you to do the work. I'll invite you over and over. And when you're working, I'm going to stay. And I'm going to yield. And I'm going to trust. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn out of the being what the doing looks like in your kingdom. I'm going to submit to your will. I'm going to submit to your hands. On our journey together as a church of emancipating greatness, next year, 2022, is all about reproducing. It's all about this letting it shine even more brightly. So God willing, next year, Victory will launch another campus. They'll launch some house churches that are maybe led by some of you. These four pillars will come to even greater fruition as more and more of us let our lights shine through those areas. And your gifts and your passions and your abilities, whatever it is, dance, worship, counseling, just helping people, will be unleashed more and more and more. So that's next year. But to make sure that what we reproduce is more about the image of God in us and healthy and glorifying, 2021 is about health. So over the coming weeks and months, you're going to hear a lot. We're going to be focusing a lot on this inviting the Holy Spirit in to cultivate the soil of our heart in order that the good seed can land on good soil to bear good fruit for his glory. So today, the question is just this, because this is a journey. It's not a moment. Do you want to be healthy? Will you commit to the journey? Would you just stand with me? Just whatever posture of submission and surrender is to the Lord for you. Maybe that's bowing, maybe that's just holding your hands open. Whatever it is, would you just get in a posture of surrender and submission to the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he speaking over you today? His love, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his kindness. If you imagine the Holy Spirit with arms, he'd be wrapping them around you right now to say, hey, let's do this together. 
this is gonna be great. It won't be easy, not always, but it'll be great. So would you just, where you are, would you just invite the life of Jesus to fill you completely and yield to his work? I wanna invite our prayer leaders to come forward right now. And just as you're talking to the Lord about this, Jesus said to them, he who has ears to hear, may he respond to the truth. It's important that we respond. Whatever he's stirring, maybe you want one of these prayer leaders to just pray with you about that, about something that you felt even as I was sharing. But maybe you came in today with something that's a distraction, that's choking out the resources because it's just hard, it's a hard thing. Well, don't go without somebody praying over that with you. You can come even right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. God, we say to you, we wanna be healthy. We wanna be whole. We wanna be soft, Lord. We wanna be teachable. We want the seed of your kingdom to grow, to flourish, to show your glory through us, Lord. Lord, we believe that you are working for our good and the good of those around me for the glory of your name. And we welcome you. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, relying on that work of grace through faith to enter this heavenly kingdom, and you would like to receive him and say, yes, I want him to be my Lord and Savior today, would you just raise your hand up really high so we can pray with you? Amen. So let's just pray together. Jesus, I come to you because I need you. I thank you that you are doing for me what I can't do for myself. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. And I ask that I exchange my life for yours. I invite you to become my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.